You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, here he is, the Crusher. So, at the start of the Major League Baseball season, I made a prediction. And it was a bold, bold prediction. I said, all will be as it should be by the All-Star break. Okay, well, maybe that's not not such a bold prediction. But it was my prediction nonetheless. Looking at the game, looking at the ebb and flow over the years, baseball has historically been very consistent. And here we are. Mid-season Major League Baseball. The National League wins the All-Star Game, snapping a nine-year consecutive win streak for the American League. And those nine consecutive wins make up the second longest streak in All-Star Game history. The longest streak? Well, it's actually owned by the National League. 11 straight All-Star Game wins from 1972 to 1982. The first All-Star Game was in 1933, and since then, the numbers are very interesting. More recently, since 1988, the American League dominates the game with 27 wins, 6 losses, and 1 tie. Prior to that, it was owned by the National League with 41 wins, 16 losses, and 1 tie. All in all, a pretty fair balance in the game. So if we look back now at my bold prediction. Is all as it should be in the game of baseball? Today, we're going to have a look. Let's have a look at the symmetry and balance in the sport. Does money buy wins? We're going to have a look. And not just in baseball, let's look at all the major sports. And are we about to see the largest contract in the history of sport? Well, it's very possible. Let's take a look at that player. Let's take a look at all the big contracts in sport. And let's talk about what this groundbreaking contract might look like as we hit the Major League Baseball midseason right here on Crush Performance. Let's get to it. Well, you might think that my Major League Baseball season opening prediction wasn't so bold after all. I mean, it's not like I was predicting the sure-fired winner of the World Series. But let me explain myself. My bold prediction was, all will be as it should be by the All-Star break. Maybe we need to provide a little context here. I've been watching sports since I was a little kid and I've worked in professional elite sport for the last 30 years. And one thing that's always fascinated me was the business side of the game. It's something that's on the other side, so distant from what I do in the game in terms of player performance and development and actually helping to hone and guide careers. But it's a fascinating aspect of the game that has the power to even influence what we do with our athletes. So that prediction that I made may run a little deeper than meets the eye. So why don't we look at my prediction and try to answer that question. Is all as it should be at the mid-season mark of the Major League Baseball season? 
There are a lot of things we need to consider here. We need to look at the rule changes. Have they influenced and changed the game? Have some teams and some players been slow to adapt? We have to look at the health of the players and the injury rates in the game. We also have to look at the money and the disparity that is Major League Baseball. Let's put it all together and have a look. Why don't we start off in the American League West where we have Texas as one of the surprise teams this year on top of that division for the majority of the season. The Astros, one of the hottest teams in the game for the last number of years, are three and a half games back. So I think Texas is a pleasant surprise at this point in the season, but the Oakland A's are the big story. They are 31.5 games back at this point in the season. They are done. Talk about the dog days of summer. Interesting though, they have the smallest payroll in Major League Baseball at $61.4 million. And that, I think, is a major contributing factor to where they stand in their division and in the overall picture of Major League Baseball. The A's have been one of our teams to watch ever since the Moneyball era because it's been so interesting to see what they have been able to do with a very, very small payroll in a moderate to less than satisfactory market. Now, they are failing, but I wonder if it's not sort of a preemptive strike in their move to Las Vegas. Some exciting things are going to be happening with this organization, and they're going to move up the crush watch chart over the next couple years. In fact, as they get set to move to Vegas, I'm going to say that the Oakland A's will be one of our top teams to watch in the game. So while the Texas Rangers have been a pleasant surprise after so many years of struggling in the basement... I think the Astros are going to be there at the end. The big story in the AL West, though, are the Oakland A's and what they're going to do from this point forward. Then the American League Central Division. It's kind of a lackluster division if you're looking at glitz and glamour. In fact, four of the five teams here are in the bottom half of overall Major League Baseball team payrolls. The Twins, who are always a pleasant surprise, they have an organization that does something special. They're one of the teams, like the A's, who seem to always contend with a smaller payroll. Their payroll is number 17 in the league. Then you have the Guardians, who are always right there, and right now they're a game and a half back of the Twins. The Guardians are number 26 in overall payrolls. Then you have the Detroit Tigers, who always seem to struggle. They're number 19 in payrolls. The Chicago White Sox are the AL Central's big spenders. Their payroll is number 12 overall at $184.7 million. They're eight games back right now of the Twins, who are number 17. And then rounding off that division is the Kansas City Royals, who were our team to watch 2012, 2013, 14, and 15 as they made a run into the World Series. They had some very cool things going on as they build to make that charge. Again, a really good reflection of the ebb and flow of teams who don't have the big money to sustain their major league rosters, but a team that has to patiently build and manage their assets to make a strike every five years or so. Will they strike again? We're waiting to see. And then there's the American League East. I love this division. There's so much to love and so much to hate if you're a baseball fan. But this is where some of the amazing stories in baseball are going down right now. And it all starts with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, think about this. 
They have led that division from day one with one of the smallest payrolls in the league. Their payroll is number 27 overall at $76.5 million. It is a pittance compared to the big spenders in the AL East, yet they continue to dominate that division. It is truly one of the great stories, not just in baseball, but in all of sport. Listen to me carefully. There are some very, very special things going on in that organization. And I think the usual suspects are at play here. The ownership is great for what it's worth. They're not supplying the money the other teams are, but they're obviously giving the freedom and the support needed so the coaches, the performance staff, and the players can get it done. I don't care if you're a baseball fan or not. The Rays are a team to watch. It's a fascinating story, not just in the game of baseball, but in sport. Player development is at the core of this organization. And if you look at how they go about evaluating and procuring talent into their system, where they then develop it to contribute either on their team or as a commodity on the talent market that is Major League Baseball, this is certainly a team to watch. You also have to keep your eye on the Baltimore Orioles, one of the crushed teams to watch here over the last five years since the new ownership, the new leadership, and then the change of leadership. And now the new coaching staff and the team are finally starting to gain some traction with the second lowest payroll in the game, number 29 at 67.8. They are in second place right now after the All-Star break, one game back of the Rays. The Orioles are certainly a team to watch as they try to make things happen with not a lot of resources. And then things get interesting because this is where the money tables turn in the AL East. The Jays are in third place right now, five and a half games back. They have the seventh overall payroll at $213 million. And then the Red Sox in fourth place, eight games back of the Rays with the 14th largest payroll in Major League Baseball at $180 million. And then the storied and revered New York Yankees. Nine games back in last place in the American League East with the second largest team payroll at $279 million, give or take some change. They are one of the biggest disappointments at this point in the season. Nine games back. Can they make it up? We'll all be as it should be at playoff time. We'll watch and see, but for right now, the Rays are truly one of the great stories, not just in baseball, but in all of sport. Let's flip the page to the National League. They make me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowd. As we look at the National League, let's go out west where the Dodgers are hanging on with the fifth overall payroll at $227.7 million. They are certainly a franchise to admire. They seem to do it all and they do it well. They've got great ownership. They have great leadership and management. They have incredible coaching and they have some of the best talent the game has ever seen. And not only that, they develop their talent. And they're not afraid to spend some money to get that done. They take care of their players top to bottom, possibly better than any other team in the game, maybe in all of sport. 
If there was an ideal franchise in the landscape that Major League Baseball provides, the Dodgers might just be it. They're working on 10 consecutive postseason appearances. That's the longest active streak in baseball right now. And last year, they had 111 wins. They're on track for that or better this year. The Giants are close behind, but the big story in the NL West for me is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're finally making a surge after struggling for so long. As of this recording, the Diamondbacks are two and a half games back of the Dodgers with the 21st overall largest payroll in Major League Baseball coming in at about $115 million. They kind of remind me of the 2011 Kansas City Royals who were slowly turning that giant ship to make a run at the postseason. We got our fingers crossed for the Diamondbacks. For the NL Central, I think we can comfortably say all is as it should be. Other than the Cardinals, who are underperforming 11 games back of this recording, the Brewers are a surging team, and the mighty red machine from Cincinnati is making a push. The Cubs are hovering smack dab in the middle, eight and a half games back, probably right where they should be. Unfortunate for Cub fans. In the National League, we have to look to the East for the big stories. And the crush, team to watch this year, the Atlanta Braves. Actually, our team to watch probably for the last three or four years. An amazing organization who's coming back from a pretty tough time. A firing of a GM just in mid-stride because of some off-season player signing shenanigans that saw the GM get fired and then the entire staff changed over. They sat Shell-shocked for a year, maybe two, and then in steps, Alex Anthopoulos. For me, one of the top executives in the game. After working magic in Toronto, getting that franchise to the postseason after so many years of turmoil and struggles, he surprised the entire sporting world by walking away from the organization. In a dust-up that saw some major changes in leadership, the hiring of Mark Shapiro being the biggest one, Alex walked away from what was a very, very generous contract. He was never really vocal about his reasons for leaving, but it was obviously a difference of opinion. He didn't like the direction the team was about to go. So he stepped away and eventually landed as a special advisor to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And while all this is going on, the shell-shocked Atlanta Braves were devising a plan. A plan to get Alex. A plan they executed and a plan that is really, really paying off. The Braves are a storied franchise who have the all-time record with 14 straight playoff appearances from 1991 to 2005. Alex took over when the team was struggling and has led them to not only become perennial contenders in the postseason, but to be World Series champions. The Braves have been a crush team to watch since 2017 when John Coppolella stepped down as general manager after committing amateur signing infractions and they were the crush team to watch as soon as they signed Alex Anthopoulos to be their GM and boy has it been worth it. Not only are the Braves the crush number one team to watch for the last little while, they also possess our number one player to watch since 2018 when they signed the young phenom Ronald Acuna Jr. He has been exciting from day one and has been my number one player to watch in the game and he has delivered time and time again. Going through a few injuries, bouncing back and performing at the top of his game, he is certainly one of the most exciting players to watch in the game, but there are so many. 
The Braves are ranked at number eight in overall payroll at $201.7 million. The big surprise in the NL East for me is the Marlins. They're 10 games back right now and don't have a chance. Well, nobody has a chance in the NL East. But the Marlins are a pleasant story. They're 22 in payroll with $96.4 million on the books and a big change in the front office with the signing of Kim Ng as their general manager. And then causing maybe a little turbulence, Derek Jeter decides to step away from the daily operations of the organization. They've been retooling and are looking to make a charge. Now, I think if you were going to pick a team to watch or a story to follow in the world of baseball, it would have to be the New York Mets. To be clear, the Mets have been a crushed team to watch ever since they were sold for $2.4 billion in 2020. They're a big market team who have struggled in mediocrity for years and years until new ownership. Steve Cohen steps in, a lifetime Mets fan with bottomless pockets. Could this be the dream come true for Mets fans everywhere. There is nothing more powerful than ownership dedicated to winning and with the resources to back up that dedication. And Steve Cohen is that owner. I do believe this is the best thing to ever happen to the organization, but it would be hard to tell right now. The Mets with the biggest payroll in Major League Baseball, $348.1 million are 18 and a half games back of the Braves. It will be a miracle if the Mets make it to the postseason this year, but we will continue to watch to see if money and great ownership can put those W's in the win column. We also have the Phillies who are right in the middle of the pack in the NL East. They're right where they should be. And then finally, you have the Washington Nationals, the disappointing Nationals who at the time of this recording are 24 games back of the Braves. So is all as it should be in Major League Baseball? There are layers and layers and layers to analyzing and looking at this question. The Rays for me are incredibly special. The Braves are special. The Orioles are doing something special. The Dodgers have something special going on. And can the Diamondbacks hang on? There's something to watch. And then there's the troubled times. The New York Yankees and the New York Mets, two of the biggest spending teams in the game who just can't seem to buy a win. They're in the exact same conversation as two of the lowest spending teams in the league, the Oakland A's and the Nationals, who just can't win at all. And this has to bring us to the conversation of payroll parity in sport. Major League Baseball doesn't have it. You have the Oakland A's at the bottom end and way, way up top, you have the New York Mets, yet they're both in the conversation of the losing column. It's hard to make an argument for payroll parity when you see such a discrepancy in the losing column. So why don't we do this? Let's have a look at all the major sports to find out if indeed money can buy you wins. <laughs> So, does money equal wins in professional sport? Overall, I think it certainly doesn't hurt. You can buy talent, pay talent, fill holes, recover from injuries. There's a lot of things a big budget will provide, but it doesn't necessarily equal wins. If we look at the National Football League, for example, if we look at the 2023 payrolls, the Cleveland Browns had the largest payroll in the game 
at just over $250 million. The Rams came in last place with $165.7 million. Now, the interesting thing here is if you look at the standings, the Browns had one of the worst records in the game. They finished at 7-10. The Rams weren't far off from that. With the lowest payroll, they were 5-12, though they've had some incredible success over the last few years. Much similar to the NBA. In the NBA, the Golden State Warriors are the top dogs in spending. Their total cap spend was $218.4 million. Way down at the bottom in 30th place, the Utah Jazz at $133.1 million. And when you look at the standings, well, that kind of makes sense. In the Western Conference, the Warriors have been a perennial powerhouse. But the Utah Jazz, last year with the lowest payroll in the league, finished in fifth place. And with some crafty offseason moves, they're poised to actually be a contender once again. We'll watch with great interest. And then when you look at the NHL and Major League Soccer, it becomes more and more apparent that the leagues with salary caps and salary floors seem to have more parity and also more variety in the teams who can possibly win it all. And for fans, that's a big thing. Sport is built on the highs of the win and the lows and heartbreak of the losses. But imagine being a diehard Oakland A's fan year after year after year, knowing by the time winter meetings are over that you don't have a chance of winning it all. It's a big dilemma for baseball. Why don't they put on a hard cap and a hard floor to create more parity in the league? Well, one of the theories we've heard is that on the business side, the parity thing just doesn't really matter. In terms of revenue and creating revenue, when those big payroll teams with their superstars roll into any ballpark in the league, people fill the seats. It's that old attitude, build it, and they will come. While when the big teams travel around the league, they fill stadiums. And ownership is quite happy with that. Because at the end of the day, it's all about revenue. It's the business of sport, baby. Last season, it was reported that Major League Baseball had record revenues at $10.8 billion. The NFL generated $17.2 billion in their last season. The NBA, a cool $10 billion. The NHL came in at $5 billion this last season. And Major League Soccer generated $210 million. And while we all love the romance of the wins and losses, the victories and the defeats, the game's really all about money. It's a big business and there's plenty of money to go around. If we look at the NFL, the Browns have the largest payroll in the league at $250.8 million. The Rams come in at 32nd at 165.7. From top to bottom, that's a difference of $85.1 million in payroll. The league average is right around $222 million. In the NBA, the Golden State Warriors top off the salary cap spending at $218.4 million. The Utah Jazz, as we mentioned, come in last in 30th place at $133.2 million. The difference here again is only $85.2 million, which seems like a lot, but it's really not. The league average is $177 million per year. In the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the big spenders at $105.9 million per year. 
At the bottom, the Arizona Coyotes, number 32 at $55 million. That's a $50.2 million spread. It means a little more in the NHL, but the league average is around $88 to $87 million. In Major League Baseball, we see the biggest gap, and this is where the conversation really comes in. Does money buy you wins? At the top, number one, as we mentioned, the New York Mets with an annual payroll of $348.2 million. And then looking down, way down the payroll standings at number 30 is the Oakland A's at $61.4 million. That's a whopping difference of $286.8 million. Even with a league average of $161.5 million, the lowly A's just don't stand a chance. That's a gap that's just too big to overcome. Yet, if you look historically, the A's have seemingly somehow found a way to compete. That's the money ball side of this whole thing. I wonder what baseball would look like if they followed the lead of the other leagues. A hard cap, a hard floor, and some parity in the league so fans in every market have a chance of their team potentially making it to the postseason every single year. Can you imagine? I wonder, what would the game look like then? Either way, we know there's a revenue split between the players and the owners, so that overall annual revenue generated is an important number. And the players are making their share. Let's face it, it's great work if you could get it. And we may be looking at one of the richest contracts in the history of sport. Let's have a look. Oh, but how sport has changed. On the business side, most certainly. Athletes, without question, are bigger, faster, stronger. The training and the sports science is at a whole new level compared to even a decade ago. Heck, in the last five years, there have been major breakthroughs in strategies for enhancing sport performance. But on the business side, we've seen some massive changes as well. Heck, I can remember in my time with the Blue Jays in the late 90s, early 2000s to mid 2000s, Frank Thomas's $10 million contract was a massive whopper at the time. And then Delgado signs his $60 million plus. And then Halliday and Clemens are starting to knock on the door of $100 million. So even in that short period of time, the contracts in sport escalated exponentially almost, and it was happening in every single sport on the planet. It is a massive, massive business. And let's face it, it's an entertainment business. As online streaming and pay-per-view came around, there were new avenues for generating revenue that pushed the whole marketplace to new levels. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. And it's not just in the professional sports. Heck, youth sport generates more money than any of the professional leagues. The North American youth sport market generates an estimated $20 billion a year, blowing away any of the North American professional sports. As the professional teams and the professional athletes and their agents started marketing themselves better and publicizing these massive contracts that were now being signed in professional sport, I think one of the unintended consequences was it started feeding the dreams of youth athletes. 
and rightfully so. It's kind of been a dream of every young athlete to aspire to the Olympics and wear their country's jersey or to sign that pro contract and make the big bucks and take care of their families or just play the game they love and get paid for it. Well, now you can get paid very, very well. And it spurred on and fed this new industry that is youth development. It's certainly worthy of an entire episode. And why don't we put that on the docket? Because it's a fascinating conversation. We've talked about it before on the show, but the world of youth development sport has drastically changed. Some of it's good. Some of it is absolutely horrific. This new pay-to-play, high-performance pathway environment that we've created in youth sport has literally changed the sporting landscape top to bottom. And I can tell you, when people started paying their mortgages and their kids' college tuitions, giving lessons or running teams or running academies, it changed sport forever. We've got to get our heads around it and we've got to get it under control before it's too late but there's huge opportunities there as well. Let's do a show on that. Regardless, the business of sport is booming top to bottom and the players are getting paid. The richest contract to date was signed by Lionel Messi, who in 2017 signed a four-year deal. It's worth approximately 674 million US dollars, depending on the conversion rate day-to-day. Either way, it's well over a half a billion dollars. Cristiano Ronaldo owns the second largest contract in sport history, but this one, in a lot of ways, was much more lucrative than even Lionel Messi's. Lionel Messi's four-year contract worked out to be about $168 million per year. In 2022, Ronaldo signed a 2.5-year contract with a Saudi Arabian soccer club worth $536.3 million, working out to a whopping $210 million per year. The third largest contract in sport history comes out of the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs, who signed Patrick Mahomes to a 10-year $503 million contract, working out to be about $50.3 million per year. Coming in fourth is the Los Angeles Angels' Mike Trout, who signed a 12-year deal for $426.5 million, working out to be $35.5 million a year. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because Mike Trout's teammate, Shoei Otani, isn't just a generational talent. He is a very, very special historical talent. Elite on both sides of the game, on the mound, in the batter's box, with great defense as well. Shoyotani might be one of the most valuable players to don a Major League Baseball uniform since Babe Ruth. And even then, there's something super special about Otani. And he's in the final year of his contract. He is going to command a hefty, hefty contract. Because he is special. And I mean really special. He is Michael Phelps kind of special. He's Serena Williams special. He's Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky, and Federer special, and then some, I believe. It's predicted he'll be looking for a 10-year deal worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $650 to $700 million, which would make this the biggest contract in sport history. And the crazy thing is, if you break it down, he'll be worth every single penny. 
professional sport, and if you think about it, even youth sport has become a talent commodities market. When I start working with an athlete, our initial goals are very simple, injury prevention and maximizing performance. But to actually build the foundation that will allow an athlete to truly, truly strive for their potential so we can see exactly how far they go. But there is a period in that athlete's long-term development where they hone in on that high-performance pathway. And when they take that why in the road towards the world of high-performance sport, we're no longer just thinking about injury prevention and maximum in-game performance. We're thinking about increasing a player's value in the guns for hire talent commodity marketplace that is professional sport. And that's where we're at in the world of sport. And this is also where we're at midway through the Major League Baseball season. So does money buy you wins? Well, not necessarily. Just look at the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. The teams who are really successful use the resources they have very, very well, and they develop talent and their players like crazy. So as the world of sport and the Major League Baseball season rolls along, let's watch with great interest to see who does what with whatever resources they have and if it indeed pays off. One thing seems to be clear, you don't necessarily need big money to get big wins when you think like an athlete. I'm Jeff Kershell. Coming up in the next few weeks, the crush, War on Sugar returns. There have been some alarming announcements on discoveries that we've been talking about for 10 years. Find out what they are, why it's so important to you, and why the industry is so far behind the crush, War on Sugar. And then a brand new episode of Creating Coachable Players. We'll be talking the long game of athlete development and the opportunities that you can capitalize on to push athlete and player performance to new heights. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, or if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, let me know. Write to us, info at jeffgershell.com. The Crush Performance Podcast is recorded in the Crush Studios. Our distribution partner, Radio Influence Digital Media, go to radioinfluence.com. Website and educational material produced and directed by Debbie Kershell, Miss Crusher. Theme music, graphics, and video design by Noah Alexin of Nolexin Visual and Sound. And again, this is season 18 of Crush Performance. Get the Crush archives and subscribe to the show at jeffkershell.com. And keep an eye out. We've been working on the Crush Performance video series that'll be coming soon to our YouTube channel. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance.